Great afternoon. You are in the fast lane with Sarah Jane. And today I am speaking with a writer, speaker, dance event boss, and a Bell's Palsy survivor. Please welcome Barbie Wharton to the podcast. Hi, Sarah Jane. How are you today? I am well. How are you? Oh, I'm great. It's a beautiful day here. I'm from Vancouver, BC, Canada, and it is a gorgeous day here. It was pouring rain yesterday, so I'm enjoying the sun and every second of it today. Well, we wish we had rain here because it is so dry here and our sloughs are dry and our cattle is thirsty and we wish we could have a little bit of that rain. Well, I'll enjoy it for you then if it rains again tomorrow. (laughs) Thank you. So I really, really like Barbie's website and I want to specifically read from this because I'm going to put her website out for people to check her out. But here is what I like about Barbie. Um, if anyone listened to the podcast before, you know I love to encourage people to live better, do better, be better, and she obviously does this on a daily basis. So Barbie has had some depression and anxiety, stuff we have spoke about on the podcast before. She had Bell's palsy, which we've never talked about, so I'm anxious to hear about that journey. She had a major concussion in 2017. She says, my decision to take meds to help me through various stages, losing my illusion of what I thought my life should look like. Love that, because everyone has painted a picture of what their life should look like and a lot of times life does not turn out like that. So where where should we begin? Where is a good start for you to discuss uh, how you became, how you got on this journey you're on in life? Well, I mean, let's start with that quote that um, we all have this illusion of what we think our life is going to be. Um, this illusion, I think, especially as women, Um, obviously I'm generalizing there, but I think it's more typical for women that we think that we can literally control everything. We, um, are put in roles typically in our life where we have, you know, again, not that I'm saying men don't do this, but packing lunches, getting kids out the door, um, keeping the house together, doing all the things, being all the people, being the hostess, being the mom, being the wife, being the friend, and you can't do it. It's exhausting. Mm -hmm. So, I, um, around 2012, um, I got Bell's palsy in 2012 and that's when I kind of started throwing myself into reading and learning and learning about the universe and all this stuff that I always kind of knew inside, but I just hadn't learned about it, um, formally. And that was one of them that we create this plan in our life, which I, totally did going to go to you know high school you know I was in high school um I always felt like I was always in the wrong place high school is very hard for me um inside and you know you're going to go to high school get good grades get on the honor roll graduate go to college go to university um graduate at top of the class get a good job do job get promoted be manager <laughs> meet somebody get married have kids that's what I did literally did it according to my plan. Well, you get there at the end and you're like, okay, well, that's cool. So I did that. Now what, who am I, what am I doing? What's next? Yeah. And, and that's where I got Bell's palsy that morning. I woke up and learned really fast that we cannot control what we're doing. All we can do is basically buckle up and enjoy the ride. (laughs) So did you like the day before, did you have any symptoms or anything that would have led you to believe anything was wrong or did you boom, just wake up with this? 
So um, I talked to survivors, Bell's Palsy survivors a lot. And typically what happened, like when I looked back, so it was a Monday morning. When I looked back on Friday, I had, I don't know, posted on my Instagram, you know, some, you know, emergency or, oh, coming down with a little bit of a cold, got to boost my vitamin C. So I had, I just felt run down. And there's a lot of half information out there about Bell's palsy, about what causes it. But quite frankly, nobody really knows. Can be a virus, can be stress, can be this, can be that. And, um, but basically, yeah, you wake up and it's sudden onset. So So did you freak out when you woke up that morning? Well, like I said, I was a mom of young kids. I think I, my kids were about eight and six, I want to say two boys. Um, like they're now 15 and 13 and you're just up doing the things. And, you know, any mom will tell us, you know, mornings with toddlers, always super calm, right? Like everybody knows where their (laughs) shoes are. Nobody throws their breakfast on the table or whatever. So my morning, you know, I'm up and doing things, packing the lunches. And I said to my oldest, I said, does does mommy's face look weird? He's like, no. And so this side that I, this is my Bell's palsy side, my left side. Um, so they call this your rest, um, your, your, sorry, your sound side. So that's the normal one. And it felt really puffy because, well, cause this one's paralyzed. So this one felt really puffy. And I thought, Oh God, I'm thinking, I hope I'm not getting a sinus infection. That's the first thing I thought. And, you know, I called my ex, my husband at the time. And I said, and he's like, you got to go to the doctor and get that checked out. And normally he wouldn't really push me on stuff like that. Cause I take pretty good care of myself and whatever, but he just go to the doctor. You have to get checked out. And, oh, okay, fine. So I called the doctor and the doctor uh, couldn't get me in for like three days. So in Canada, that's, we, that's an issue for us. Mm-hmm. And um, so I went to the clinic and the doctor says, asks me all these super weird questions. Like, it's just a sinus infection. Just let's just, I just need some antibiotics. Like, let's just move on. Like I got stuff to do, right? Are you pregnant? No, 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 not pregnant. Are you sure? Yeah, yeah pretty sure, pretty sure. <laughs> of course, now I'm getting nervous, right? Um, no, definitely not pregnant. Made me take three pregnancy tests. Well, it's very common to get Bell's palsy in the first trimester of pregnancy. So now knowing that, that makes sense. He said to me, after he did a couple more things, he said, looked me square in the face. And he said, you need to go to the doctor right now. And I said, well, they can't get me in for three days. Call your doctor back, tell them you went to a clinic. They think you have Bell's palsy. They will get you in today. And when you talk to people about health and if the doctors put you in a VIP line, <laughs> it's not a good sign. This isn't right. Vegas. That doesn't mean you're the hottest chick in the line. That means that <laughs> there's some serious stuff going down. So I yeah, called and they're like getting here right now. Get there 20 minutes later. Of course, in the meantime, called my naturopath because um, I use my naturopath quite a bit, but he's like, get into your doctor. So going to the doctor. Yeah. Took all the meds, did all the things and, um, was probably about six weeks until I started seeing movement of any kind in my face. Wow. Were you hospitalized then? No, you don't get hospitalized. There's nothing really to do. It's basically, there's nothing they can do. So you take, um, personally you will, you can. So I take a steroid and, um, an antiviral medication and, the, um, some doctors think they're effective. Some doctors don't, but I said, just, I'm going to take it at all. <laughs> so took the medication. Um, it's a prednisone. So you're home and feel terrible and awful and you're run down and basically you just have a really bad 
feels like you have a really bad flu or I don't know, you're really run down. But of course, now dealing with this emotional bomb that has just hit you, that your face is paralyzed and you don't know. Some people it comes back in two days. Some people doesn't come back at all. And it took six weeks. It took six weeks for me to start to see movement in my face. So my face hasn't healed completely. Like, so we're on a podcast right now, but you can see me through video. And on this side of my face, you can see how my mouth isn't perfectly symmetrical when I talk. And this eye isn't exactly symmetrical to this one. Mm -hmm. So I'm about 85% healed. Um, So I consider myself very lucky. Some people don't recover at all. Some people recover 100%. So when you're going through something like that, it's very hard. Um, You know, I'm a survivor. I'm an entrepreneur. Okay, well, this sucks. Let's figure it out. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's okay. I can deal. It's fine. Some people come back in three weeks. I think three weeks is totally fine. Four weeks, five weeks, six weeks, six months. You're kind of like, oh, no. So very stressful. Yeah. And I would think, I think probably to average people, they wouldn't even notice that you have something going on. Yes. Thank you. And, and, you know, and most people who haven't met me previously, Mm -hmm. um, say that people who do did know me before will notice it. Um, you know, my partner now is, you know, we've been together now for four years or so, and he doesn't notice, but you know, when I get tired or if I drink too much wine or whatever, then you can kind of, you can kind of tell, but you know, it is what it is. And we get thrown curveballs all the time in life. And that's why I like to talk about it because there's no point in sitting in a corner crying. You have to do that for a couple of days and then uh, figure out what the plan is. Did you do a lot of physical therapy for it? No. Um, at the time, there wasn't a lot of information. I didn't, I did acupuncture right away, went to acupuncture right away. Um, and this is, I mean, what's it, eight, nine years ago now. So there wasn't as much information even as there is now. Like now there's Facebook groups and people talking about it a lot, like a Facebook support group that I'm in. It's like, hey, I just got Bell's palsy. What did you do? What did you do? That's awesome. I love that. Cause there wasn't anything like that for me. I didn't know anything. Um, and the physical therapy actually is very, very draining and very hard because the muscles in your face are very tiny. And right. So the, the physical therapy part of it was, I did try it a couple of years ago and it was so, um, deflating. Like the physical therapist was amazing. Like she's unbelievable, but that's what she said. She goes, this is going to be very frustrating because it's not like an arm. Like you're not like, you know, there's a thousand little muscles in, in there. It was just so hard for me. I couldn't, couldn't do it. Just, it was too much for me. So. And so for those people who don't know, it only affects your face and it does not affect the whole left side of your body, just your face. Correct. Yeah. So okay. So you struggle. dealt with that. And then how did you get a major concussion in 2017? Um, I was walking into a pub with some friends and there's a very heavy door and it swung out and hit me and I fell straight back on the pavement. So Going back for a second to the Bell's palsy, when I first learned about it, the first thing I did was look up, Louise Hay, Bell's palsy. Like, why is this happening to me? Because there is doctors who believe or not believe or have done research, I don't know what the term would be to say about that, that it comes from the um, virus, let's say shingles and cold sores and things like that. So why is it that you can have that virus in your body 
and not get Bell's palsy. And I have exactly the same virus dominant in my body and I get Bell's palsy. Why? That doesn't make sense to me, right? So doing the reading in Louise Hay, so you're not using your voice. Your mouth is literally paralyzed. You are not standing up for yourself using your own voice. So I started to explore that in my life about where I was letting other people's opinions be more important than mine. I wasn't speaking up for myself. I wasn't making my opinion matter to myself. And that's why that happened. So then that's when I started on a path of making changes in my life. Then when the concussion happened, of course, same thing. Like, why is this happening to me? I was walking into the restaurant with three or four people. Why did the door hit me and not the person right beside me? Right. Mm. So looking that up and that to me is the universe smacking you upside the head, being like, you are not doing what you should be doing. There was a lot of things in my life. I was on, you know, I was in a big transition period in my life. I, my marriage had just ended. I was trying to figure out what I was doing next in my career and things like that. So the universe saying, stop, like you need to go on the right path, eat the right things, do the right things. Um, that was a big lesson for me. And that was the universe like, being serious because that was me being completely debilitated for about six months and um that was a pretty big lesson to learn so I like to talk about making sure that you listen because you know if you're doing things that aren't on your path and the universe will not stop until you step into your own light and share with people the things that you're meant to share so doing podcasts like this and having my website that's my I'm trying I'm trying mm -hmm. and I haven't gotten hit in the head recently again so I feel like maybe that's all <laughs> maybe you're I'm on the right path <laughs> <laughs> so what about what was a harder recovery the concussion or the Bell's palsy concussion um uh emotionally one would assume that the Bell's palsy would have been harder for me mm -hmm. um but the reason the concussion is, is concussion is, is because physically getting over a concussion is excruciating and it's been now, it'll be four years in December and I still have symptoms. So that's another thing that I talk about with people with concussions too. My sons both play high level competitive lacrosse and concussions are no joke. Like it, it's, it's, I, I love that it's coming more into the light in, in high level sports and stuff, because it, it is not a joke. Like, it's not just a headache. People being like, oh, you know, you have a headache. It is like mind and life altering to get, get concussions. Um, and I still am, like, I still have trauma around it. So I would say for sure that concussion is, yeah. And so I think between, between those two events, you also had some depression and anxiety were either of those caused by those two events. I think that I think depression and anxiety really get swept under the rug. And I, I just did another podcast and we talked about mental health and I was not downplaying it at all because I was talking about how people are medicated, but sometimes people are over medicated for it and we need to figure out what's causing the problem. I would never downplay it. I've had, I've had this issue in my own life, I find it very important to talk to people who have dealt with this and who have overcome it. So where did that fall into play in your life? Um, I'm so glad that you've, you're speaking about that topic about being over-medicated because that is something that definitely happened to me. I had a lot of anxiety and depression in high school. Um, 
you know, now looking back, who doesn't like high school is like, like hell. <laughs> and um, I went to the doctor and I was, you know, I was depressed, but, oh, you know, you start taking, here's some antidepressants. And that was when I was 18 years old and I'm at the lowest level of that med now and I can't get off of it. So how many I'm, years have you been on that medication? Well, I'm 40 now. So that's, what is that? 18 years. Mm-hmm. And after I, after my marriage ended, I um, was having a lot of emotional issues as are natural. And I was very lucky to get in to see a mood disorder doctor. He doesn't practice anymore. He's developing a, a computer program or something around it. He's a genius. And then he said, with the analysis that he had done with my mood between needing mood stabilizers and a couple other things that I had been on the worst kind of antidepressant for what my issues were. So not only had I been taking antidepressants since I've been 18, it was not the best one. So to me, that's when I talk to teenagers and kids, I am involved in the dance community with teenagers is there is a lot of tools out there. There's a lot of tools now. Um, I agree with you. It's not spoken enough about people who don't have life altering depression, right? Who aren't suicidal, who aren't, who can still function like high functioning depression or high functioning anxiety. I think that's where we need to touch more on is, well, I'm fine. I can still go to school. I can still go to work. Like I I can get out of bed. So it must be me. Like there must be something wrong with me. Taking a med seems like the easiest way to do it. And I have worked through with myself a lot of shame and um, kind of feeling like I'm not good enough because I'm taking meds and things like that. But you're totally right. It has to be taken very, very seriously because this isn't, you're messing around with your brain. So when you, you know, this, this affects her that I'm, that I'm taking now, um, I'm at the lowest dose, I'm 40 and it does help me. But at this point, it sure would have been nice to have been given more of an analysis or more tests or my mom being brought in and asked about it. Like these things are important to talk about. Yeah, you're right. And I just, so now I'm good. My life is stable. My partner's awesome. My kids are great. But um it's a, yeah, it's important to talk about that, that over-medicated issue, because it, it does seem like it's just an, a magic solution. And it isn't because the problems don't go away. Mm-mm. No. It, and sometimes they're masked. And when I talk to my patients, what I think is that life is so, uh, so much like a roller coaster because you have different stressors at 18 than you did at 25 or 29 or 31 or 37. And so it's strange to me that we give one medication to take all those highs and lows. Like sometimes maybe it's more anxiety. Sometimes maybe it's more depression. So where, where can we, sometimes that stuff has to be tweaked. And I see that so often that women are on several medications and I'm always thinking, what else can we do to help? Because sometimes when I was on that medication, it, it really dulled. It was like putting sunglasses on, <laughs> you know, it was, everything was bright and now we just kind of covered it up, but the sun was still there. Like where, you know, 
So it, and it's tricky because everyone needs something different, but I always want people to know that there's so many options and do not stop looking for help because help is there in some shape or form. And I think that, you know, you're totally right. 25, 35, all the stressors, but nine o'clock this morning and nine o'clock tonight, I could have different stressors too. I think that as women too, we put so much stress on ourselves to be like, Oh, the good friend. And Oh, well, you know, their problems are worse than mine or your partner. Oh, well, he had a stressful day. So my problems aren't as important. Like stop, stop with that. Because that is when things happen. Like your face gets paralyzed. You need to (laughs) say, Hey, you know what? Like I, I know you had a hard day. My day was hard too. And it's just that whole, that whole balance of, of us as females feeling like we need to take care of absolutely everybody except for ourselves all the time. And it's the giving, I was just saying this to someone today, a relationship, a good relationship is so such a good balance of giving and receiving and not just constantly giving. And when you're always the one giving it's, it's such a deep hole you dig yourself into. Oh yeah. My, um, my cousin who's, um, very educated in uh, like, she's an educator. And she said, she calls it like a, like a waterfall, like the water erodes at the rock and all those little things are never a big deal, right? Every little tiny thing is never a big deal. So that if you were like, Oh, God, oh you know what, we just get over it. Like, it's not a big deal, but that's not a big deal. And the next thing's not a big deal. And then it's five years and then you're 10 years down the line and you have nothing left and you the give and the take absolutely in a relationship, but sometimes, sometimes I'm going to give a hundred percent today and you're going to give zero, but at some point it needs to even out that there's days where you're giving a hundred percent and I'm giving zero. And I think that, you know, relationships and marriages is the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. Hands down. They're hard. And humans are hard. Humans are hard and we are now living in a world where our society is not what we were designed to be in. So we have, you know, our bodies are designed for man goes out, hunts boar, brings boar back, feeds family, woman makes nest and whatever. Now we're put into this world where our metaphysical and body has no idea what's going on, you know, and we're not equipped to deal with that inside. So we're struggling, like running around like chickens, trying to figure out how to, to function in this world that we're not designed to be in. Mm-hmm. That's just my opinion on that. I like that. And, and you and I are about the same age and aren't you glad there wasn't social media and technology oh my in high school? Like there is now, can you about imagine? Uh, never. Like I write and blog a lot about self-care and feeling good enough and all these things. And yesterday I said to Trevor, I was like, Oh my God, I got to stop looking at Facebook. And he's like, why? Right. Cause I do a lot of work stuff on there. And I said, because I look at it and it's not that it doesn't make me feel good enough. It makes me feel like I'm not doing enough. And it's like, Oh, I haven't written a blog post in a while. Oh, look at that great blog post that person wrote. So it's not, it's just that kind of like micro level of insecurity. It's not that I, I know I can write a blog post. Yeah. I know I'm capable. I know I have, but then that creeps in like, Oh, I haven't done that for a while. Like, God, I'm lazy or God, I should be doing that mm-hmm. brutal, mm-hmm. you know? 
and we're aware of it. We're 40 and the, just the influence and the stuff all the time. Like nobody can have any kind of minute to themselves. No, It's fascinating. Like it really is fascinating. I'm a social person. You're the same. We're extroverts. I like to be talking to people all the time, but like just my kids are, you're always connected. So it's interesting. I was saying to my oldest yesterday, I'm just, I'm interested to see how that's going to evolve and what, Mm -hmm. um, it's going to kind of turn into because that jumped into our world really quickly. Mm-hmm. And I'm in, going to be interested to see whether it leaves really quickly that way of being commute because people will either kind of be like shut themselves out and be like, okay, everyone's going to be sick of it for a while, or it's going to go in a different way. And as an entrepreneur, that kind of stuff always interests me from mm-hmm. a marketing point of view. But yeah, no, absolutely not. Definitely wouldn't have made it through high school if there were social media. <laughs> what a nightmare. And I, I just wrote a blog post about how I really like, like I'll post and ask people like what they're doing or how they're stepping out of their comfort zones. Cause I really enjoy seeing people succeed and do different things. Like it, it fills my cup because I like when people are happy, but then you, you know, you'll talk to someone and they'll, they'll say, well, so-and-so they're getting divorced or this or that. And then you stop and think, but on Facebook, they just look perfect. Oh, of course. Of course you look perfect on Facebook. You think you're going to put a picture of you? Like, why do you like, it's funny to me because why would, that's a lot of effort. You know, like when I post stuff, it's just, it's stuff that's going on in my life. I can't overthink it. And maybe I'm just not smart enough to do stuff like that, but it's, it's so funny how we want to be perceived, but how life really is. And I do try to show what my, you know, like really what's going on with my kids. Cause it's not always perfect. And relationships aren't always perfect. And sometimes it's a struggle, but you know, why, why are so, why are so many people so afraid to struggle? struggle? Yeah. Like they're never perfect and they're always a struggle. And even yeah. the good days happen because yesterday was that much worse. And you're right. It is important. It is important for us to speak out and be like, Hey, you know what, sister? Like, no, I cried myself to sleep last night or me and my partner got into such a big fight the other night. I thought the neighbors were going to hear us screaming at each other. Like, and that's okay. Because if we don't have, like you're saying about the sunglasses, it took me a long time to really embrace my sensitivity about myself that you can't feel those highs and that, that wonderful stuff in life. Um, and passion, even if it's arguing or speaking your truth or all that passion, if you don't have the lows of the roller coaster, you cannot live at the high of the roller coaster, you will die. So I just love, like you're saying that, like you can't, we can't crave to have even keel all the time. Mm -hmm. Uh, It doesn't exist. That's boring. Mm -hmm. And the highs will kill you and the lows will kill you. So I think Mm -hmm. that, yeah, I think that that's great. You're right. I, I love seeing people succeed and, Mm -hmm. um, learning things from people and, and just seeing people be happy. It makes me happy because the energy that we share is what affects us. Yes. And you know what? That's such a good point. That is it. Because when people are doing well, they have high energy and I love that energy. That's, that's a good point. Cause I have thought about that a few times, like, man, why do I get so excited when I see people taking a vacation or doing stuff? And that's what it is. Authentic people doing that. I think so. I wrote a blog post. I'll send you the link when we're off the call and it's just positive attracts positive. And when I first read the law of attraction, the book, you know, we all read it when it first came out, that was one of those things that really resonated with me because I, that's the way I thought in life. I just didn't know that I was doing it. 
So my mom, you know, when I was 16 years old, they were building a new apartment complex near our house, like in our area. And it was one of the first kind of high rises that were going up in that area. And I told my mom, I'm going to live in that building. I'm going to live there. She said, okay, good for you. Right. Like my mom was all always supportive, just being like, okay, sounds great. And so put that intention out in the universe. And I did live in that building. Although in my mind, in my controlling mind, I thought that I would be a super successful businesswoman. I would be rich and I would have suits and I would live in that building. Turned out I did live in that building. Um, so my ex now, my, my previous uh, partner, we met, we were 2021 and his mom had passed away. So we inherited this apartment, which happened to be in that apartment building. However, was living there with two lacrosse friends and a roommate. So I like to tell that story because that's the universe being like, well, you want to live there. So it's a perfect example of not control, being able to control the outcome, but you, you know, you do that. Mm -hmm. So this, when I first read the law of attraction, I thought that was quite funny because I'm like, oh, I kind of do that already. Right. And one of the things that really resonated with me, and I've always tried to live my life like that is if you notice people in your life that you always want to be around, that they always make you happier when you leave, even if they're not happy. Like one of my good friends is like that. I mean, she can be upset about something or we can be talking about, you know, she's having an issue with her husband or her kids or whatever. But when you leave, you feel good. That's the kind of person I want to be. So I try to pay attention to who those people are in my life and who is it? These are the people who just have positive energy and they focus on the positive. They focus on the good even when we're in the middle of a pandemic or dinner burns and you got to order a pizza, like it's just, oh, well, because that's life. Mm-hmm. And that's where you're saying with people on vacation or whatever, it's that energy that just happy and that um, stress-free. That doesn't mean that we don't have stress in life. It's just how we handle it and definitely how we project, you know? Um, so yeah, that's just kind of something that I've always kind of wanted to keep working on for myself Mm -hmm. is to just be one of those people that people just like to be around. Absolutely. I really, I'm, I'm going to give myself props because I think I pick and find really legit people to be on my podcast that fill my cup because you are speaking my language and I am just sitting here nodding my head as you talk. So (laughs) I love it. So I love that you are a survivor and I love that you're an entrepreneur, but you also, uh, you were a dancer your whole life and you like to mentor kids dancing, correct? Yeah. So Um, For about 20 years, I ran dance competitions with my mom and my sister. I loved it. Danced my whole life. My mom started a dance competition. Um, We had to close that business due to COVID last year. And I've I've decided to start out on my own. So I'm doing a couple small um, locations this year. And I'm very excited about it. And I also like to talk about how dance is so much more than dance. You, You go to ballet class and you learn the technique and how to hold your arm and how to, you know, do a pirouette, et cetera. But there's so much more than that, that we learn from being in dancing, uh, group sports, activities, arts, um, all the same, the same kind of things. I was um, never the best, never really won medals, never really won. And that was something that was a big lesson for me in life. So I like to share that with other dancers and people are around me, like kids around me that you're never going to win all the time. Mm -hmm. And if you're going to get down 
and bummed about not winning all the time, you're going to have a really long life. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So that's what I do like to be open and share about is dance gave me so many more um, opportunities and areas that opened up for me in business and in just trying to embrace who I was and what I was going to do in this world, you know, teaches constructive criticism, how to take constructive criticism. It teaches, you know, uh, you know, time management. It teaches like all these things that I like dancers and their parents to know that um, it's so much more than, than, than the, than the actual dance. And it is, worth every single penny and every single minute that it takes to drive kids and do all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Very, um, very big part of my life. I love it. And with all the adversity that you have overcame with the Bell's palsy and the concussion, depression, anxiety, a business closing, here you are sitting here smiling pretty much the whole time we've been talking. <laughs> so I think that speaks volumes to the kind of person that you are and, um, I, I want people to check you out. I want them to read your blog and check out your website because I, I, f- I find you to be a pretty cool person. Well, thanks. I think you're pretty cool too. Maybe <laughs> we'll be friends. I, I think we might that. be. I think yeah. we might be. So Barbie, thank you for joining us today. Is there anything, is there any last thoughts you'd like to leave the listeners with today? No, I think that we covered it all. Um, I just am hoping for everybody going through this pandemic that we're going through right now is that we try to just take this as a regroup. So many of us have had so much crap thrown at us is to take that kind of do some inward work, be like, what is the next step for me? Um, what do I actually want to be doing? Because I think that this has really kind of shown us that, like I said, we control nothing. All we can do is control what we're going to do next. And Things like going to a restaurant, getting your hair done. Those are things that no longer we'll take for granted. And Mm -hmm. I just want us all to kind of take a moment, see where we're going and only be doing things that make you feel good because we only get one crack at this life thing. So it's time to be happy. Thanks for listening to the Fast Lane with Sarah Jane podcast. If you like what you hear, share the podcast and hit the subscribe button so you get updates on all new episodes. And we truly love feedback, so ratings and reviews are appreciated.